Welcome to Life Center Church. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and our church, visit lifecenternyc.com. You know the Lord's in the room when you look on the whole pastoral team, they all got their a scripture ready to go and share. <laughs> I'm looking around, they all got their Bibles out. I'm like, uh, you know, we could say peanut butter and the Lord will show up right now. I'm serious. He's in the room. Can you just take a moment and acknowledge him? Yeah, he's here. And you're like, what what are they talking about? He's here. And you're like, looking around, I don't see him. Yeah, I know. We may not see him with our physical eyes, but we, we know he's here. We know biblically he said, where two or three gather, and they're in the midst of you. We know that he's the God in the midst of the lampstand. What's the lampstand? It's his church. We recognize you're in the center, and this, there's a reorienting of Jesus being the center. I thank you, the center of this church, you're the center of our lives, Lord. Uh, that verse that Bill is reading out of, it uh, on New Year's Eve when I was driving in, I was actually speaking that day too, that's, that's the verse that struck my heart um, because it, it was that reality you know, the question is, what would have happened if Moses didn't turn aside? Because God was going to have a Moses. He was looking for someone who would actually turn aside to the burning bush. That's, that's it's, it's poetic language. Like, why would Moses say, now I will turn aside? And then it says, and God looked to see if Mer- Moses would turn aside. And I, I asked the question to you guys, what has been your burning bush moments? What do I mean by that? It could have been, what was a prayer that someone prayed or maybe a sermon or maybe a song or a Bible verse where your heart began to come alive, where you knew like, oh my gosh, something is happening. This is more than just an ordinary moment. There's something unusual happening. Maybe it was the moment of your salvation, the moment of your your baptism. Maybe it was a moment in worship. Maybe it was a book that you were reading. Maybe it was a teaching that you were listening to or a prayer that someone prayed. What was this moment where your heart began to come alive? You guys know what I'm talking about? I've been thinking back on my burning bush moments. I've been thinking back on my defining moments, my Genesis moments where God began something in me. And I'm looking back and saying, God, I know I recognize it, but did I turn aside? Did I change direction to stop going in the direction that I was going in, to go in the direction that you were calling me? And I actually believe by his mercy, he's bringing us back to burning bush moments because there were assignments of a lifetime that he was wanting to give to you like he gave to Moses. Moses turned aside, removed his sandals because he was about to be given an impossible assignment. And let me tell you something, any assignment God gives you is impossible without him. That's what makes it a God assignment. How many assignments are in this room right now? I believe that the Lord is gonna release movements out of this room. I believe there are dreams that are going to be released and dreams that you've already had that you said, oh, that was just a dream. Guys, it's not just a dream. The original Genesis moment, right? It's Genesis 1, and God said, let there be light. And still to this day, they're finding new galaxies. That let there be light moment has never stopped reverberating across time. But yet on the sixth day, he created dreamers to dream the dreams of God. You are a dreamer that he's created to dream his dreams. He's put his dreams inside of you. And yes, I do mean physical dreams. I mean, we, one third of our life we spend asleep. Why are we wasting that time? Why don't we give our night season to the Lord and let, us give us, get, let him give us dreams? 
But I feel like he's looking for a generation who would do more than just say, what a great message, what a great word, what a cool dream, and actually cap, like, take that dream captive and run with it. Take that word captive and run with it. Take the promise captive and run with it and actually believe it to be more than just a cute dream or a cute word or a cute sermon or a cute exhortation. Take it as the word and the promise of God and let the door open, let the Lord open a door in front of you to run through and to start a movement for the kingdom of God. I think he wants to restore faith and hope in this room. I'm telling you, I, I said it three weeks ago and I'll say it again. I, I do believe that this is a year of birthing. This is a year where God is doing a new thing. If he's doing something new, we may not know where we're going, but we know where we can't stay. If he's doing something new, that means we can't do the same thing we've been doing. We gotta do something different. When the burning bush comes, for Moses, a burning bush wouldn't be out of the ordinary, actually. He's in the desert. Things are catching fire all the time, but what was out of the ordinary was the presence, was the reality that, hey, this bush is on fire, but it's not being consumed. Something caught his attention. Guys, when things catch your attention, don't just take it as a cool moment. Realize God is speaking. Pause, turn aside and listen. Remove your sandals, you're in a holy moment and God wants to release something. And by his mercy, he's bringing us back to moments that we've walked by. He was gonna have a Moses. He was gonna have a Hannah, right? Hannah, she's barren. She thinks that she is a curse, right? Because she's barren. But what she doesn't realize is she's asking the Lord for something. She's in the midst of an apostate church. There's a lot going on. Eli's sons are going crazy. They're in immorality. And all Hannah wants is a baby. All right, everything's a mess, but God, I just want a baby. But what Hannah doesn't realize, she wants a baby. She doesn't know that God wants a baby. She's longing for a son, but she doesn't know God is longing for a son. And finally, Hannah says, listen, God, if you'll just give me a son, I'll give him back to you. And he goes, finally, I can work with that. She's groaning for a son, but what she doesn't realize is God is groaning for a prophetic Samuel movement to birth in her generation. She says, I can, he says, I can work with that. He says, finally, I found someone that can give me what I'm longing for. Do you know, sometimes your suffering, sometimes life, sometimes the things that you're going on, God can use your suffering and God can produce a Genesis moment out of it. What do I mean by Genesis moment? When something begins for the first time. Maybe it's not a Genesis moment. Maybe it's a defining moment where God shows up and, and changes your direction and changes your course. But I believe God is going to give Genesis moments in the midst of some of your trauma, in the midst of some of your chaos, in the midst of all the craziness going on. Why can't God declare in the midst of chaos, let there be light and everything changes in a moment? Sometimes I think we disqualify ourselves from being used from God and we reserve it for those with, on the pulpit. God wants to use you. God wants to birth a movement through you. God wants to change the world through you. God wants to give you a dream. In fact, some of you, he's already given you a dream and he wants you to do something with the dream that he's given you for free. Some of you don't believe me. It's true. Hannah has no idea that when Samuel is born and she begins to sing a song of how blessed she was to have her son, little does she know that some hundreds of years later, a woman named Mary would give birth to a son named Jesus and sing and quote the same song of Hannah. You have no idea what you're going through and the song that needs to come forth from your lips, a generation's gonna sing it after. Yeah. 
It's not just a dream. It's not just an encounter. It's not just a feeling. God, you are a people who are called believers who believe in a God who was killed and then rose from the dead and now is seated in the heavenly places. To the world, that sounds crazy. It sounds like, oh, admit them to the, you know what I mean? It does, but this is real. But we have to believe. I want to read out of Genesis 45 in, in a minute. Let me just give you a couple more thoughts and then turn, as I'm talking, turn to Genesis 45. Or pull it up in your, your Bible apps. Guys, I said it three weeks ago, I want to say it again today. I felt in 2023, he was making us steady, keeping us steady, and making us ready. And as I said three weeks ago, if he's getting us ready, then he's getting us ready for something. Okay? He's getting you ready for something. And I believe that there is something that's going to get birthed out of this house. I believe there's movements that are going to be birthed, not just us as a ministry, us as a church, though I do believe as a church, we are putting ourselves out there. We're saying, God, whatever you're doing in this generation, we want it to be at the forefront of it. We're laying down our agenda. We're laying down our plans, even for this year and maybe for the rest of time, right? God, what you're doing, that's what we're going to do. But do you know revival never comes at convenient moments? You know, we're asking God for an unusual outpouring, and we thank God for the, the, the lowercase r revival that we get to experience every Sunday. I mean, he shows up here every Sunday when we're faithful to gather and not forsake the gathering together of the assembly. He shows up. When you look for him, he shows up. When you sing to him, he shows up. When you talk about him, he shows up. He's a good friend. You call him, he actually comes. He's not like us. No, we want to just do Netflix and chill. You know, like we'll catch up with you next week. When you call on the name of Jesus, he shows up. He comes. He brings his presence. He brings his glory. And we're grateful for every time he comes. But we're asking for an outpouring. We're asking for that capital R revival. And I had the Lord challenge me a couple weeks ago. He said, Richard, are you even expecting revival anymore? I know you're praying for it. I know you're looking for it. But there isn't that hope level. There isn't that faith level that used to exist in that teenage rich. That teenage rich that used to be willing to stay up all night to pray. And with my friends, take a, we had prayer sticks back then. I don't know why. We got the, maybe it was Lord of the Rings. Right? We'd take the staff and we're like striking the ground. I think one girl was banging the wall and the pastor was like, don't do that. You know? But we, we were desperate for revival. And in my youth group, we got to experience an outpouring. We did. I, had an, you know, I grew up in an outpouring. I, I got to see another outpouring in my youth group. It was unusual. But you know what? There are people looking for an unusual outpouring, but an unusual outpouring requires an unusual response. And when you respond to the Lord for an unusual outpouring, but in the usual way, guys, you can't expect something different to happen when you keep doing the same thing over and over again. It requires you to what? The bush is burning. Something is different. Turn aside. There's got to be a turning. There's got to be a changing of your direction. There has to be a make room for God. Make room for him. Revival doesn't come at convenient times. And sometimes we get caught up in this thing where it, it just feels like too much. Like Bill, Bill called Wednesday night prayer meetings for the, for the three weeks of our, our fast. Tomorrow's the last day of the fast. So if you haven't fasted, do you know what? Fast with us tomorrow. I'm serious. You're going to get the same reward even if you fast on the, same, on the last day. Fast with us tomorrow. It's our, our last day of the fast. But he was saying, we're going to do uh, Wednesday night prayer. And I was, in, in my head, I was like, oh, more prayer? 
Like, I got to show up again every Wednesday night? Like, I'm just being honest with you. Now, I didn't have a choice, right? I'm, I'm going to be here. But I'm just being honest with you. I felt that thing inside of me start coming up saying, oh, another thing. We're doing so much already. And that's a pharisaical spirit. These Pharisees, they have Jesus standing right in front of them. And they said, no, we're okay. We just need the scripture in the temple. We don't need what you got. There was something in their hearts that caused them to be blinded to the very move that they were looking for was standing in front of them, but they didn't have room for him. Their theology didn't have room for the revival that Jesus was bringing. Their practice didn't have room for the revival that he wanted to bring. And you know what was even scarier? Some of these guys actually believed he was the one they were looking for, but they were so caught up in the glory of men and in their positions in the temple that they wouldn't proclaim him to be true. Do you have room for God? Are we as a church, are we gonna make room for him to come to disrupt our services? And so I'm like, three more, three, three more prayer meetings, Lord, that feels like a lot. And sometimes we hear things like, Lou Angle calling a million people to the mall. Like, ah, oh, that's too much. We did that already. We've been there. We've done that, right? Or we're going to do overnight prayer. I've done that. I did that when I was younger. That's for the young people. And we begin to make excuses and say, I've been there. I've done that. It feels like 24-7 prayer. That's too much. That's too much prayer. That's too much. That's for someone else to do. And these dreams that God has given us, these invitations that God has invited us invited us to, these words that he's given us, we write them off as too much, too radical for someone else. And God is giving us by his mercy another opportunity to say, no, this is me. Will you make room? Will you turn aside? Will you look back to your Genesis moments? Will you look back to your defining moments? Will you allow me to move? Genesis 45. Verse 25, you guys know this story. This is, this is Jacob. He's got his, his sons, 12 sons, right? Remember the sons put Joseph in a pit. He gets picked up, ends up in Pharaoh's house, ends up being the, the second in command. But here we find Jacob, his father. Jacob at this point is in his life, he's mourning. He, he has determined in his life that he's going to mourn until his grave because of the loss of his son. He's determined this trauma in my life is actually too much. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to lean into my trauma until I die. And he's settled that this is going to be the rest of his life, right? I mean, he's clinging on to Benjamin. He wants not because if Benjamin dies, I might as well die right now because I've lost this, this thing. I've been traumatized. And maybe we're in a Jacob season. Maybe the trauma, the chaos, the things in your life, unmet expectations, you know, hope deferred has made the heart sick. And, and some of us, I feel like, have unknowingly determined to actually stay and live in that place. This is where Jacob is right now. He's got his sons showing up. In verse 25, it says, they went up out of Egypt and came to the land of Canaan to Jacob, their father, and they told him, saying, Joseph is still alive, and he is the governor over the land of Egypt. It is the thing that he wishes would be the reality more than anything in the world is that Joseph would still be alive. And then he gets the news. Hey, the thing you want, it's real. He's alive and he doesn't believe them. Listen to why. And Jacob's heart stood still because he did not believe them. He didn't believe them because his heart stood still. He didn't believe them because his heart had grown numb. He didn't believe them because his heart had grown sick and he was dwelling and living in unbelief. 
He couldn't have faith to believe. I mean, he's got the witness. He's got 11 other sons that are witnessing. No, he's alive. You got 11 people telling you your dream is still alive and you're, and you're saying, mm, no, it's not. You got 11 people telling you that God is still going to use you. He's still gonna be faithful to you. You're still going to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the, of the living and something inside of you just cannot receive that. And do you know what that is? It's unbelief. Unbelief has made your heart grow sick, grow tired. And like Jacob, it's grown still. And watch what happens. Verse 27, when they told him, he's not believing them. He's like, I don't believe you. So they started to tell him the words which Joseph had said to them. And they began to show him. And he saw the carts which Joseph had sent to carry him. In the moment of hearing the testimony and seeing the sign all around him, his heart was revived. It says, and then Jacob, his heart was revived. Do you know what is the answer to unbelief, to a, a heart that's grown cold, to enter into this thing that we're talking about? You need revival in your heart. Amen. You want to see revival hit the city? First, you need revival in your heart. Amen. You need your heart to be revived. Like, well, Rich, I don't know if I'm in that place. Well, let me, let me explain a little bit more. Because this is what I've been wrestling with too. Do we have this same eager expectation of good when we show up? Or we're not expecting anything to happen anymore? Because if we're not expecting God to move or God to show up when we pray, then we have no hope. Hope is the eager expectation of something good. So if, if I'm not expecting anything good to happen, then there's not hope. And if there's not hope, then my heart's grown sick. And if there's no hope, then there's no faith. Because if I'm not hoping for something, then I most certainly cannot see it because hope is the seedbed that faith grows in. And I've, I've found myself in seasons where it's like, I'm praying these prayers, I'm looking for these things, but I'm not actually expecting anything to happen. And I need hope. I need my heart to be revived. I need hope to be restored. I need faith to be restored. And watch what, ha what happens. He sees and he hears. And his heart is revived. And then he says, it's enough. Joseph, my son, is still alive. He makes maybe even a declaration of faith. Joseph, my son, is still alive. I will go and I will see him. And then watch what happens. Verse, uh, chapter 46. So he took his journey with all that he had, came to Beersheba and offered sacrifices to the God of his father, Isaac. Then God spoke to Israel in the visions of the night and said, Jacob, Jacob. When he gets revival in his heart, then once again, after maybe 20 plus years, God can speak to him again. Amen. He can hear again. Amen. He can see again. Yes. What happens when you get revival in your heart, that which was foggy, that which was clogged up, when you cannot see, when you cannot hear, when you're afraid, when you're dealing with unbelief, you can't see clearly, you can't hear clearly. And when God can deal with your heart, when he can break off unbelief, he'll open up your eyes to see. He can open up your ears to hear, and then he can, he can speak and you can hear him again. He can show up and you can see him again. This is what revival does to the heart. It allows you to hear God. It allows you to see him. Maybe you don't have a testimony to cling on to. Get the testimony of your neighbor. Have the worship team come on up. Maybe, maybe you, you don't have a, a, a memorial stone, something that God did in, in your life that can remind you and cause hope to be restored again. Read the testimony of others. But it was in the hearing, and this is so important, you guys. You guys remember what Jesus said? In his ministry, he did not do or say anything unless he, he heard the Father saying it and he saw the Father doing it. Do you see how important it is for our eyes and our ears to be opened up? Because I can't do what 
he's doing or say what he's saying unless I see and I hear clear. I need a revival to hit my heart. And I believe God wants to revive the hearts of every person in this room. I believe there's movements. I believe there's, that God has set up appointments in your life and he's given us God-sized dreams. What's a God-sized dream? It's a dream that feels too big. How do I know if I'm dreaming a God-sized dream? If it's possible for me to attain that which I'm looking to do without God, then it's probably not the dream God has for me. Because then I don't need faith to attain it. But the things God is inviting us to do, he's going to give us faith and grace and his empowerment to see it through. For Jacob, for his dream to be restored, his heart to be restored, it took the testimony and the signs from his son Joseph. I mean, how, what a beautiful picture. His son's life, right? Jacob was a dreamer, and Joseph was the man of dreams. And Joseph turns around, sends his brothers back, send the cart. Joseph knew what he was doing. Send him the signs. Send him the testimony of my words. For David, a prophet showed up at his door. For Joseph himself, it was a dream. For Elisha, it was a still small voice given to Elijah, go and anoint Elisha. For Esther, it was a genocidal decree of her people that would wake her up to a Genesis moment where God would say for such a time as this, What does God need to remind you of today? For me, I, I've been looking at my stories. Just some insecure 15-year-old boy going on a missions trip to Spain. And out of nowhere, God shows up and baptizes me. Wasn't looking for it. Wasn't asking for it. He just showed up. And again, a few years later, I'd be, I had my whole life planned out. I was going in a direction determined in 20 minutes I go up to one guy at a bookstore I want to just buy his CD tells me and I was watching you and I don't know what you got planned in your life but God has something else for you you're supposed to go to IHOP in Kansas City I'm like you're crazy I'm not going there <laughs> 10 minutes later I go in the lobby one of my best friends Ali is there he looks at me and says Rich we've got all these plans for you but God has something different for you you're supposed to go to IHOP in Kansas City and I'm like uh, what? Then I go in the parking lot 10 minutes later. There's Juliana in the car. She starts crying. She's like, Richie, we got all these plans, but the Lord has something else for you. You're supposed to go to IHOP in Kansas City. <laughs> Maybe the first guy wasn't so crazy. You know, I didn't have to turn aside in that moment. I could have kept going in the way I wanted to go. It would have been easier for my parents. That's another story for another time. <laughs> But it was a Genesis moment for me that put me on a trajectory to be standing before you today. Why do I bring that moment up? Because I, I'm standing in a moment like that right now again. That's like 16 years ago. And that 16 years ago, I'm running with these crazy guys in the front row. 
running with Wrestling Place in New Jersey with Ali, and was running, we were running around doing things with Lou, and now 16 years later, here I am, still running with Wrestling Place. Now for two years, I've been full-time here with Life Center. And just three months ago, Lou called me to ask to do something with him again. So you guys, I could take moments like that and chalk it up as coincidence, or I can realize that God is waking me up to something, that he's doing something this year. And it's not just my story. I know this is happening all over the place. God has made the church ready because he is calling you to do something in 2024 that you've never done before. I said to Tiffany before the service today, I'm like, hey, I had to repent because I, I heard the call to, to mobilize, to gather, to do more things like that. And I'm like, God, I just, we've done that. And, and I had to repent. Like, you know what, Lord, if you're calling me to do things that feel impossible, I'll do it. What is God calling you to do? What is he reminding you of, even as I'm talking? Maybe there was something you were meant to birth. Maybe it was a seed that was planted all those years ago, and this is the year to give birth to it. You might be like, well, I'm just a businessman. I'm just a businesswoman. No, you're not. You're a dreamer who can dream the dreams of God. And you could say, God, mark my life so it's not just an ordinary life, but mark me so that I can do something extraordinary. You never know who you're standing before in your office, in your board meeting, in your school, on the subway, where God has put you in a place but yet we, the church has fallen asleep at times. I don't have time to get into it, but Esther, she's hiding in her palace as her people are about to be slaughtered. And Mordecai gives her the word. She says, listen, don't think that you can hide up in your palace, you and your father's house. God will raise up someone else to deliver you, but you and your father's house, they'll perish. Life Center, don't think we can get caught up in our safe church, in our safe homeschool communities, in our safe apartment. God has anointed you and raised you up for such a time as this. He's not just gonna use the 10% on a microphone. He wants to use you. He wants to birth a dream in you. He wants to awaken your heart so that you don't just go home and determine to live an ordinary life. Oh, my prayer for you today is that you wouldn't go home and just be normal. I think a little weird has to come back to the church again. I think a little uncomfortable needs to come back to the church again. We gotta get out of routine. We gotta shake ourselves from the dust. We gotta get out of the sleepiness. We gotta wake up to what he's doing. And you can stand with me, I'll end with this. I know I've shared this so many times, but I feel to share it again. Luke 24. These guys are totally disappointed. Remember them? Road to Emmaus. What they thought would happen didn't happen. Maybe they're traumatized. Maybe they're disappointed. Maybe they're depressed. I don't know. But Jesus is walking with them. And they don't recognize that he's walking with them. I mean, it's the best Bible study in history, right? Opens up the law and the prophets to them. Walks a seven-mile journey with them. And they don't recognize what's happening. Something instinctually, spiritually just awakens in them at his words. 
it actually says in the scripture, you can go back and read it, Luke 24. And Jesus motioned as if he was gonna keep going. And these two guys, it says that they restrained him. And they said, but the hour's late, come in and dine with us. And he comes in, he dines, he says he reclines at the table, he breaks the bread and says, in the breaking of the bread, their eyes were opened to see him. What would have happened had they not restrained him? Jesus is walking with you today. And you may not understand and you may not recognize or see clearly, but we need to learn there needs to be a hunger awakened, a thirst awakened inside of us as God, the hour of my life is late. I'm restraining you today. Come in and dine with me. Come in and dine with me. Break the bread and open my eyes to what you're doing. Break the bread and open the eyes of my heart to see you. Open my eyes. Open my ears. It's been my prayer for years. God, would you give us eyes to see and ears to hear? Oh, if we could see, if we can hear, our hearts would be revived. Father, I pray for each person in this room today. Each one on Zoom. Each one under the sound of my voice. To open the eyes to see. Open the ears to hear. Bring the testimonies. Bring the carts. Bring the the signs all around us. Open our eyes to see the signs that are all around us. You're here. Remove the distractions. Remove the been there, done that. Silence the voice of the accuser. Some literally as I'm as I'm talking, you're hearing this voice whisper that's saying, that's not for you, it's for everyone else. That's, so, that's, not, that's not your thought. This is for everyone in this room. We're going to do an altar call in, the moment, in a moment, but I know in a room this size, there's a very real possibility that someone is in here and you've yet to come to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I want to tell you there's a very real God whose name is Jesus. He really did die and he really did raise from the dead. And he is coming again. And if you want to know him today, we're going to have a ministry time. I'll invite you to come on up and we'll pray with you. But for, for the rest of us here who know Jesus as Savior, I think there is a come to Jesus moment again. He's inviting us to come. And we're saying, yeah, God, you come. And he's saying, come. And we're saying, come. It's a beautiful exchange, you guys. Right now, Lord, all across this room, would you touch hearts? Let revival hit the heart today. Open our eyes to our burning bush moments. Bring them to remembrance. These books that we read that captured our hearts these songs that we've sung in times past that made us come alive, these encounters that we had when you filled us in our bedrooms and in the altars and in the aisles and in the pews, Lord, when you filled us in our small groups and you met us in the secret place or in our Bible reading, bring to remembrance 
those burning bush moments, Lord, we turn aside to you again. Let hope be restored. Let faith come. Let hearts be revived. We hope you enjoyed the message. You can also follow us on Instagram at LifeCenterNYC or YouTube at LifeCenterChurchNYC.